Alright, just to start off, if you're listening to this, this is entirely devoted to my studying habits. Just to put it out there, these are straight from my classroom. This is going up to where I can put it on to a podcast so I can listen and study, and also let others listen to it and study as well. So, getting right into it, this is Asian history. I'm going to start right at the very beginning with China. So, China is going to be completely, it's going to completely dominate since the start of the oldest civilization in the world. Um, We're going to have Marco Polo will eventually help change the world due to a little time he spent with the Chinese. He'll bring back things such as gunpowder, paper, silk, wooden bowls, and China plates. Um, At that same time, we have silk introducing into the world via the silk route, and we have every female in the world would want it once it was discovered. Before this, um, you had women in England and, and mostly in the Western Europe. No, yes, Western European world. They're all wearing either wool or they're actually wearing leather. So this is how world trade started. So China is the oldest civilization of all time. With several dynasties and they develop an empire. Their population is mostly in the earlier aspect of civilization. It's the Ming Dynasty. Their greatest contribution was the Great Wall of China. They were worried about a nomadic group going around the Gobi Desert. And within this area, these people are called the Mongols. They learned to ride a horse before they learned how to truly walk, some would say, because they were so skilled. They were completely mobile. They lived where they could take care of their animals. Small bands would go into China to raid to get whatever they needed. And then the Chinese needed to build the wall in order to defend against this. So this, these nomads, the Mongols, so they were nomads, which meant that they moved from place to place for better conditions. In the summer, they let their animals grace on the high flat plains, mostly in the Gobi Desert. In the winter, they moved down the river valleys for shelter. The Mongols were not self-sufficient, so that goes back to the reason why they would jump into China, or they would go in and they would do the raids. Officers were often given a golden tablet called a piazza, which proved to everyone that they were officers. So they also established the Yam, a postal service. There was no true religion, or there was a religion, but they didn't allow for public worship. They did have one main god. It is spelled T-E-N-G-R-I. So that was their god of heaven. Of And they had an earth goddess spelled I-T-U-G-A-N. The priests were called shamans who reached spirits via chants, dreams, and ceremonies. They also worshipped the water. They had different springs and rivers were thought to represent powers that people had no control over. They also believed in the... Um, in fire. It was used to purify things. They said daily prayers to the sun, to the winds, and the four points on the compass, so north, south, east, and west. They were buried with valuable possessions in secret graves, which were usually in the person's favorite place. Mongol tribes were divided into oboks that had their own leaders, and wives usually came from separate clans meaning that these Mongols would actually raid into other clans and steal women and then bring them back to their own tribes. Men also, men, men 
also took an oath of what they called true friendship. They were called nukers. N-O-K-E-R-S. So, going back into the dynasties. We got Genghis Khan from 1162 to 1227. He united the clans of the Mongols. Under the, He established the Mongol law. And it was based on customs. No laws were written down. They also did not have a written alphabet. The code that Genghis established was called the Yasa. Y-A-S-S-A. He'll set up his son as the emperor of China. And it will be his grandson that would truly conquer the area after Genghis died. Genghis also had his sons taught by conquered armies. And the prisoners were the ones that actually taught how to read and write. They were the first mobile army. Bows were very powerful and accurate. Made from swine and horn. They were carried in their loose form. And were only tightened whenever they needed. The warriors carried two quivers. Containing different types of arrows. Armor piercing, long distance, and signaling, among others. Also, warriors carried a sword, a javelin, and sometimes an axe. Kublai Khan. He extended the Chinese Empire into Southeast Asia. His people went in and invaded the Philippines too, up around Korea, and at one point he wanted to invade Japan. He built a huge fleet. So Japan, they, they took two or three years to be developed. Go back. The Japanese. So while China had two or three years to build their huge fleet, the Japanese fishermen went ahead and told their leader what was happening. Once Khan's lands will have to make a good showing because they'll completely dominate. That's what the Japanese were thinking. So they told their people to pray for a miracle. As a few of the ships started to land, Japan will experience a typhoon or a hurricane. And something like 70 to 80% will be gone, will completely be devastated during this. So that's Kublai Khan's army, or Navy, whatever you really want to call them on that one. The Japanese will be Khan's army. And so this typhoon and this hurricane that comes through, the Japanese will call it a divine wind, wind sent by the god, which was also called a kamikaze. The distance we have for the soldiers that have the distance. We have distance, they have the bow and arrow, they're entirely on horseback. They have, for medium range, they have the spear. For short distances, they have a lance or a sword. And Mongols, they actually started powder milk. They would put it into a little bag. And the first experience with it in the Asian, this is remember the Crusaders, Europe were going from place to place along the Silk Route. So, that's our first experience with the Asians' history. The Silk Route. This is a seven-year round trip. We have Arabs and European visiting and brought back place to place. So, they'll take a seed. A lot of times, they'll come back with seeds. And then they'll plant a lot of this and then becomes trees and they'll ripe. So it's mostly cut down at the right time. That's cotton. And so we have wool, leather, and cotton silk. The Crusades were the Holy Wars. You got the European versus the Arabs. The Arabs, sorry. About 200 years, the Muslims are killing Christians, Catholics. That's what we're telling everyone. 
And so we got to unite. Okay, Marco Polo. It's absolutely changed the world. A young Italian boy. His dad was a broker. He was about to keep... He was able to keep a diary of his adventures. He was in his young 20s. Kublai Khan calls for him. He'll have a personal bodyguard service around him at all times. And they'll take him anywhere he wants to go. And he better not get any harm. That's what Kublai Khan is telling these guards. The guards treated Polo like Khan's son. He went from Korea to the Philippines. He sees in the Indies, he sees cinnamon. He'll, um... He'll be able to bring back with him the idea of pasta, which actually was developed in China. Um, an idea of cheap paper to make it for the masses, ice cream, gunpowder. And he wrote all of his adventures down in a little book called The Travels in Asia. So a lot of people are saying that's not entirely accurate. And so, and because he stretched a lot of details and so forth. So you got your human nature with this idea of Marco Polo. So Kublai Khan is not going to show him the slums in the area. He's going to show him the most beautiful places, the most beautiful parts. And so travels in Asia, we actually do call it the Orient. It's a new name for it. And there's anything east. You have what we call the Far East. You have the Middle East. And so the Middle East that we'll get into later on in, the, um, in our notes. But right now we have to focus on the Far East. And it, came, it became a, a symbol of heaven to the Europeans. So they'll want to go back to the Never Never Land and get all the resources that they can. And so how are they going to do that? So the idea of actually getting there is the main issue. And so we have to look at how will, how will you get from Spain to China. So the Portuguese at this time, they're really weak and they're poor country. So to beat them, it wouldn't be hard. So as other Asian or sorry, other European countries are benefiting from all this crusades and everything that's going on during this time, the Portuguese want their share. So what do they do? They'll get the smartest and the brightest among the Europeans to come in, and they'll start the school of navigation. And the, because they know that they are not going to be able to have an army that's going to go out to conquer the world. They are actually the first ones to go out there and say that we want the brains. We want to bring in the smartest Europeans to start our civilization. Or no, to start our, to start our spread, to say. So they'll want to go south. They want to start the school of navigation. And they developed the astrolabe and the compass. And so, one thing that you have to remember about navigation is that you have to think of how far can you go. You can only go half the distance of your supplies because to get there is half and to come back is your other half. So, they'll get Prince Henry. And his idea is if we can get to the Orient first, we'll be the richest, we'll be the greatest. And at the same time, the Renaissance has started. So the school of navigation ran some Catholics out of a monastery in his in a little local town, and they'll go out and they'll tell people, "We'll pay you a salary, and you can bring your family here. You can spend time with them as long as you're spending time with developing whatever theories you can come up with, and any any marvels that you can come up with." So we want you to think and solve how to get us out of this crisis and get us to the Orient. They'll come up with a compass. 
and the astrolabe. What the astrolabe is, is you use a trigonometry problem to solve the position of the ocean by looking up at the North Star every night at the exact same time. And you do a, a little simple trigonometry problem and you do this problem every single day and you'll get the distance of how far you've gone. So in 1486, we have a Bartholomew Diaz. He's known for finding the Cape of Good Hope. Why? He knows he's old, and he knows he wants to get back to his people. But he's going to let his next in command, Vasco da Gama, actually get you to the Orient. So in 1488, he sailed back and turned the Portuguese into the next in greatest empire. All in two years. So from 1486 with the start with Bartholomew Diaz to 1488 where you're finishing up with Vasco da Gama getting to the Orient. So why is 1488 so important? We've got in the next series of notes we'll get into why 1488 was so important. But we have to think about two port cities that are going to be along the way that the British or the Spanish are actually going to um, find. So we have Macau, it's a Chinese seaport, it's 35 to 40 miles away from Hong Kong. The Portuguese will talk to the emperor and he'll give them the seaport. Then you have Goa, which is in, in India, and they'll talk to their leader, the Raj, the Raja, and they'll get their own port there. And that concludes the introduction into Asian notes. Um, the next series will go on and talk about the classical cultures of Europe and ancient China. And again, I would just reiterate, if you are finding this podcast, this is completely from the notes from my um, Asian history class, and a lot of things are a little bit more in-depth in the classroom. These are just the sketch lines to have so I can listen to and just remember short stories to tell to um, students and to tell to fellow colleagues that are able to listen to this. Again, if you are listening to this, this is completely um, fine. If you use this, this isn't copywritten. This is you can find this is pretty much general information. Um, once again, uh, this is for studying and to just get a basic idea of what um, Asian history is. So that's day one.